as well. Um, I wanted to uh, just let you know we were we're having the Florida conference over in um, Crawfordville. They were there last night for Family Life Day. They're doing the program this morning, and today at two thirty, they're there as well. We had a good time last night, and so I want to encourage you. Uh, for those who have families with children and stuff, if you're not already in one meeting, two meeting, three meeting, four meeting, and you're available to come and hang out with us at Crawfordville, please do that. I'm going to meet with the music committee somewhere in this church, wherever it is after church, and, and then I'm going to run down to Crawfordville. So I want to encourage you to come on and join us. I mean, it was great. They had all this program for kids, and it was only like four kids there, but hey, that's all right. We would love to have you and come out and join us. It's, it's a wonderful thing that is happening there. Um, also with that, we have new um, Sabbath school classes that are that started last Sabbath. We have another adult class right in the room back there. So we want to encourage you to join us. If you like the larger setting, great. If you want a smaller intimate setting, that is wonderful. Also, we have a uh, high school and collegiate class in the fellowship hall as well as for those families who are from Uganda and Rwanda and so forth, we're having a Sabbath school class in Kiswahili and Kenya Rwanda in the fellowship hall as well. With that also being said, we have a lot of new positions and things like that that are happening. Bear with us as we get off the floor. Pray for us. Pray for the leaders. But we want to thank you all so much for your service. Let us go ahead and have a word of prayer as we get into the message this morning. Most gracious and heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you for being such an amazing God and giving us the opportunity to lay aside everything from the week. Today has been a wonderful Sabbath, being able to come here and study your word. It has been great to be able to sing, to pray, to do a baptism, Lord. And we could pretty much pray now and go home. But I do ask, uh, since we aren't quite going to do that, we do ask for you to pour your blessings. That as I speak here, it be you and not I. And as we look at your scriptures, that you pour out your Holy Spirit for wisdom, clarity, and understanding. May you be with us right now. It is my prayer in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Let everyone here say, Amen. So a couple of months, uh, a couple of months ago, about three years ago now, I had a chance to go to Kenya. Um, I've been overseas a couple of times to Egypt and Israel and so forth, but, but this time around it was specifically to do evangelism and to do a, um, a, a build orphanages. And so there's a program called Maranatha Kids International. Um, it's not necessarily to promote them, but if you're interested, you know, on, on more about them, let me know. But, you know, they invited me there and said, could you be our guest speaker? You know, and they shared with me the story of how it went. So they have, in an area of Kenya called Kisi, they have a um, an orphanage that they built there about a decade ago. I'm the little pale guy all the way in the back with the hair, um, if you can't even see. It's, it's, there's just like a hundred kids in there and stuff, so it's hard to see. But yeah, um, anyhow, and so we went there, and he says, Joey, we did this about a decade ago. We want to do another one in another location, and so... We wanted to explain to you a little bit of what happened, what things took place. So what happens is that in Kenya, uh, 7 out of 10 adults have full-blown AIDS. In Kenya, the tradition is that a husband has multiple wives. 
And having many children, it is their retirement plan, their life insurance, it is their income, it is everything. It, 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 is, it is a sign of, of loyalty and, and it is the way to go. And so what happens is because of the diseases there, suddenly you have a lot of orphan kids. Suddenly, and people don't want them because poverty is such. I could barely feed myself. You know, here, I'm very protective with my kids. There is no way they're walking anywhere by themselves. Even to this day, when we're in the parking lot of Walmart or something, they grab onto the one pocket and the other, and I grab their hands and we're walking because I ain't trying to get them to run off in the street and get hit by anyone or whatever the case may be. And very protective. Over there, I saw a five-year-old holding just, just an infant and just walking along the, the dirt road that we were driving. And I'm saying, they don't take these kids. And they say, no, they can't feed them. So bring them to what? One more mouth to feed? One more to make more room for somebody to sleep? Forget it. And they're just there. And so we build the orphanage here in Kissy, uh, we, I mean the, comp, the, the organization, over a decade ago. But then this time around, three years ago, we went to an area called Masala, where we wanted to go right ahead and build an orphanage. And so uh, that was the challenge and that was the need. And that's what inspired the message for today, which is entitled Fatherless. You know, the word fatherless in the scriptures appears um, 46 times. And the cross only 28 times. So it's almost double. So it must be pretty important to take that under consideration when, when you really think about the urgency of this. Almost twice as much as the word of the cross. And so we're going to look today to see what it is that the scriptures say about the fatherless and those that are in need. Now, of course... My God is, is concerned more than just the fatherless. So you see other things there in the scriptures. But let's go ahead and see what the word of God has to say. Is that all right? Can we do that? All right. So here we, we, we are. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 17 and 18. And it says the following. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, the mighty and awesome God, who shows no partiality and takes no bribe. I love this right here because I don't know if you know anything about Kenya. Let me tell you what happened in this particular place. Very interesting. There is a church in Bondo. Then four hours away is that picture that I show you from the orphanage over in, in Kisi. But then not far from Bondo, uh, I would say probably the difference between like Tallahassee and Crawfordville kind of, kind of thing, except imagine jungle and, and animals in between and all that kind of crazy stuff, right? And, and, and so, um, and so this is called Masala. For over 25 years, that Bondo Adventist church has been trying to enter Masala. The problem is that they worship other gods there. See, it's easy when we talk to people of other denominations who are Christians, who use the same Bible, because we can show with the Bible, look, I know that you see this about God, but look what the Bible says. And I know you say this about Christ, but look what the Bible says about Christ. But this is people who don't even touch the Bible, who don't even believe in Christ in totally different gods. And for 25 years, the Adventist church tried to get in there. When we went in to build an orphanage, the chief of the tribe, he says, welcome, because he saw us meeting the needs of the community. And they welcome us with open arms. And when they call us, they, 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 call, they used to call me Musungo, pretty much fat, rich, white guy. It's what it comes down to. Because they figure if you're heavy, then you must have a lot of money. 
because they eat very little. So, so, so when they saw the God of the Musungos be taking care of, of the needs of, of their, of their kids, they said, we want to know more about this God. So they were receptive to the white man's God when we first met their needs. For 25 years, we were trying to do Jesus and Jesus and Jesus, but then suddenly we come and meet the needs and they said, tell me more about this Jesus. Do you see the difference? And so we have to share with them that the Lord, our God, the one that we serve, is a God of gods. It's a Lord of lords. Different than the ones that you are worshiping, the, the, the spirit of carpet and the spirit of grass or whatever it is. This is the real God of gods. And that's what the word of God says. But look what it keeps saying in verse 18. And it says the following. He administers justice for the what? And the? And loves the? Giving him food and, come on now, Deuteronomy 24, 19 to 21. It says, when you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, you shall not go back to get it. It shall be for the, the, and the, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. Verse 20, when you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over to the bowls again. It shall be for the, the, and the, come on now. When you gather the grapes of the vineyard, you shall not glean it afterward. It shall be for the, the, and the, come on now. It's the Bible now, right? And so when you read the scriptures and you see in these verses, not only does it say what we ought to do, what we ought not to do, but it also seems to indicate that if you are neglecting to look after these individuals, it might, that, that is a, a sin to God, that, that you are crossing some kind of line by neglect. Look at what the Word of God says, Deuteronomy 17, 19. It says what? Curse is the one who perverts the justice due the stranger, the and the... And all the people shall say, Amen, Amen. Uh, Psalm 82, 3 to 4, it says, Defend the, and, do justice to the, and, verse 4, deliver the, and the, free them from the hand of the wicked. Isaiah 1, 16 to 20, it says, now this verse right here, you may have read verse 18. But we're going to read 16 to 20 because I want you to get the background of that verse 18. It says, wash yourselves, make yourself clean, put away the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. See the instructions we're getting? Verse 17, learn to do what? Seek what? Rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, plead for the all right, I got trigger happy. Okay, and 18, look what it says. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. We always read verse 18. We talked about that reasoning together, but we didn't read the preceding text where it seems to indicate that this is some of that sinful stuff that needs to be turned white. That sinful stuff that needs to be cleansed. Verse 19, it says, If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now, I'm not saying this to guilt you into anything or scare you into anything. I'm saying this because I want you to understand that this is directly from the word of the mouth of God. Ezekiel. 
20 to 7. In you they have made light of father and mother. In your midst they have oppressed the what? In you they have mistreated the and the widow. Malachi 3 5 it says and I will come near you for judgment I will be a swift witness against sorcerers against adulterers those those are that's a pretty interesting class right against perjurers against those who exploit wage earners and widows and orphans in that same category as sorcerers and adulterers and perjurers and against those who turn away an alien because they do not fear me says the Lord of hosts. And you know, it is not just only Old Testament stuff. You know, in the New Testament, we have some of that as well. Matthew 25, 34 through 43. You're familiar with this. Perhaps maybe you are, maybe you're not, but let us read it together. It says, Then the king shall say to those on the right hand, Come you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom, prepare for you from the foundation of the world. Now, let me pause here before I read the beginning of verse 35 and go over to the next slide. Is this, understand that Matthew 23 describes those who think that are holy and perfect and saints. And Jesus rebukes them with how they feel they are in the last days. Matthew 24 describes the circumstances of the world in the last days. It's predicted many things that we're dealing with right now. And Matthew 25 describes God's ideal church in the end time. For the kingdom of heaven is like parable of the virgins, spirit-led, parable of the talents, everybody working, not just two or three and the rest warming up benches. And then parable number three, what kind of work are we doing where we're spirit-led? That's what we're reading right now. Verse 35, for I was hungry and you gave me food I was thirsty and you gave me drink I was a stranger and you took me in I was naked and you clothed me I was sick and you visited me I was in prison and you came to me then the righteous will answer him saying Lord when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink when did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and close you or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you verse 40 and the king will answer and say to them as surely i say to you inasmuch as you did it to the least of these my brethren you did it to me verse 41 then he will say also to those on the left hand depart from me you curse into the everlasting fire prepare for the devil and his angels was that fire prepared for us do you remember the beginning of the verse when we read earlier? It says, you know, and the kingdom of heaven is like a kingdom prepared for you since the beginning of the world. Just a few verses earlier. We just read that. The kingdom of heaven was meant for us from the get-go. That everlasting fire was for the devil and his angels. The victory has already been won. The question is, whom do you worship? Which lamb will you follow? You are predestined to be a son of a king. You are predestined to be princes and prince. But you may choose to partake of something that was never for you to begin with. 42. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. We are getting some examples of the things that we could do. 
So you have all this stuff in the Old Testament, and then you have all this stuff in the New Testament, but I'll give you the last text for this point that I'm trying to make, which should really define it all, and I didn't do it. Yay, James 1.27. Okay, it says, Pure and undefiled religion. Pure and undefiled religion. You know, every church people out there, it doesn't matter the religion. My church is the right church. My church is the correct church. My church is the true church. We have the truth and we are the bomb diggity. It's not how it works. If you want to know what you ought to look like, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit the and in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the word, the world. Do you see that there? Pure and undefiled religion is this. Ministry of healing. Auntie Ellen, love the lady. Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. He shows sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, and won their confidence. Do you see all of the steps that were taken. Do you see all of the steps that were taken before he bade them follow me? Ministry of Healing, page 143. Quite often we go right ahead and we, we, you know, we, we try to tell people, come to our church. We have a programming church. We have food at church. We have this at church. Come to our church. No, no, no. Before Jesus even said, come and follow me, he did all of these things. Mingle with them as one who desired their good. He really did care for them. He ministered to their needs. He won their confidence. And then he said, follow me. And you know what? I know some of you may, may, may believe in, in the writings uh, you know, uh, that we find in the spirit of prophecy. Um, some of you may not. But I have lived that. I said, witness that, witness that in Kenya, in Masala, Kenya. When these folks for 25 years wouldn't let anybody in. But when we started ministering to their needs, they opened their doors and say, hey, and bring somebody to preach to us. And that's why I got invited to go over there and was able to not only go build something, even though I don't know how to use the hammer correctly, but you know, I was able to carry stuff at least and build stuff and preach and share the word of God with them. And it was wonderful, wonderful experience to see how this methodology had completely worked. Now, I'm going to share with you some things. Yesu Opaki, uh, th this means praise the Lord, praise God, Yesu Opaki. I'm going to share with you some miracles that happened in Masala during my time there. Now, I will tell you this. Unlike most messages where I have a theme that goes all the way through, there are going to be some straight up random thoughts for the rest of the message. But it's just simply stuff that I experienced when I was there. And if you can't say amen, say ouch, or at least go home, you know. But I want you to, uh, to just be able to share that with you because it really did transform my life as to how I saw ministry. So here's some of the miracles that happened in Masala. Very first thing, 200 sandwiches. Let me tell you what happened. When we started building the orphanage, we, we start, we, we got some land that we purchased there. We're working there in the field. We bought some sandwiches for the kids that were orphans. But what happens is that the local schools, they got word that the Musungos were giving out food. So they dismissed school early because some of these kids only eat one meal a day. Sometimes they only eat every other day or once a week. So they were literally coming out of the woods. Completely just running towards us. And I was like, I, I, I got scared at first. Like, what is this? And because, you know, I'm from the city. 
You, you hear noises and you're in a jungle somewhere. People are creeping out of places. You're just like, you know, you're ready to, what is going on? And then when I, I, I understood what happened, so I went right ahead and I took pictures of it. And it's like, wow. So they came out. The problem is we only had a couple of hundred kids in the orphanage, so we bought a couple of hundred sandwiches. So, man, we started cutting those sandwiches in half and with lots of prayer. I don't know how many hundreds of children we fed, but everyone was fed. Every single one. We experienced the same thing with snacks. At some point we had snacks. Again, more kids came out and everyone had their snacks. We had the same thing with plush animals. We bought the teddy bears for the children and everything. And suddenly we went to this house and there were like four more kids in there that we didn't expect. I went to the trunk of the car and wouldn't you know it, the exact amount of, of stuffed animals. We thought we had the last ones. We found them in the trunk of the car and we were able to provide for them. The same thing happened to groceries. I mean, it was like the miracles of bread and fish over and over again during our time there. We got a chance to witness God at work. It happened also uh, here, some of the families. That's where we went and, and we didn't realize that one building had like an extra home and that's where, where they had come out um, as well. We also had healing. And let me tell you this, I have never witnessed healing like I did in this place. I have prayed for lots of people. Half of the time, you know, like, like nothing really happens, and, and I don't really know why. But there was an incident that took place there. It was on a Thursday night. I finished preaching the series, and someone came to speak to me. Now, understand, I also saw a miracle of tongues, because in Kenya, they have over 54 dialects. And this particular city of Masala, they speak Luo. And, and so while I'm trying to learn the language there, between their bad English and my bad Luo, we had communication and we talked and we prayed and so forth. And so this, this gentleman shared with me that his wife had been bedridden for over six months, unable to walk. Completely, completely unable to walk, felt nothing, no mobility, paralyzed. And he says, well, you pray for her. My habit usually is, well, let us pray right now because I'm going to forget later. You know, if, if, if I, I completely just, if we go later, I, I will forget. And so I said, let us pray right now. So I, I put my hand on him. We pray. And after we pray, wouldn't you know it that the next day, guess who showed up to, to the evangelistic series on Friday night? His wife. He says, Pastor, I got home. She was sleeping. In the morning, I get, I get awakened by noise in the kitchen and everything else. She's in there preparing breakfast. She says, honey, I don't know what happened. I woke up this morning and look at me. Whoa, you know, and, and she just came to, to just give praise to God. I mean, complete praise to God. And I, I had never witnessed that up until I went there three years ago. And it was just amazing to see. I see people being healed, you know, over, over time, et cetera, or, or they have cancer. They go in a month to the doctors and it's gone, that kind of stuff. But I have never seen it like that. And it was something that I witnessed. And, and then, of course, baptisms. We had hundreds of baptisms in a place that once upon a time never knew who Christ was. We had the opportunity to baptize not only the children of the orphanage. And by the way, some of the folks from the conference went and we started a, uh, a Pathfinder club with already 300 kids. I don't know where my Pathfinder leaders are, but man, could you imagine that? Could you imagine that? And so we, we got a chance to baptize them, but not only then, the people from the village as well. And they say, please come back. Please come back. We want to see more. Some of the other things that I observed from there is that you know, we are really, really blessed and we take it for granted. Um, these are made out of tires. These are their footwear. 
completely made out of tire. You saw the kids with the uniform, like pinkish and white uniforms when I saw you them running out of the woods. The schools give them one outfit um, at the beginning of the year, and that's what they have all year long. That's all they wear. Otherwise, they're naked. That's why those pictures earlier with the houses, I showed them kind of small because some of the kids were not fully dressed and some of the ladies, so it was just, you know, shrunken for you. It was on purpose for you not to be able to see it too clearly because it's either not dressed at all or with one, their, their one good outfit. Um, these are their houses literally made of cow dung, some brushes, and mud. And so, you know, it's just, yeah, poop. And that's, that's how their houses were made. This is actually a house with a nice finish. Most houses look something like this. It's just, just sort of sticks and stacked up with, with, with mud and, and cow dung, and that's all they have. This is their meal. They, this family was blessed enough to have corn growing in, in their land, and so it's everything corn. You know, God forbid I give my kids the same meal two days in a row. They'll start to complain and, you know, and, and forget seven courses or three courses or, or this and that, you know, like rice and beans and chicken and fries, veggie chicken, of course, and, and, and fries. You know, God forbid that there's a combination. This is just corn and corn with corn and corn and corn corn. And you're saying, yes, but with corn, I could do wonderful things. I could fry stuff. I could bake stuff, make some cornbread. Yeah, but then that means you need baking soda and some kind of oil, some kind of salt, some kind of oven, some kind of something. I understand so 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 I know some of you are thinking, no, I'll have it made with corn. No, it's just corn. And I love corn on the cob, but I need my butter. I, I can't I can't have it just just without it, you know? And, and so anyhow, does anybody know what this is right here? This is a stick with with a solid like like bulge at the end. And I saw this guy come into the series, uh, a couple of them actually, and, and he came to me to talk about something. And I asked him, what is that? Because I thought it was like a cane, like a walking stick, but he used it upside down. Instead of the ball being here and the skinny part on the bottom, like our canes are, he had it upside down, the, little, the really thin part here and that on the bottom. And I said, what is that for? Oh, Joey, this is for, 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 for wild dogs. And I'm thinking, you know, dogs, I, I, I'm used to that in Canada. I still carry a knife because of that because sometimes there's a lot of stray dogs and it's like you're ready, you know, to, to, to fight and defend yourself against those, those pit bulls there in Canada. But no, 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 no. These were wild dogs. We got lost in translation a little bit. It, it was hyenas. They, this is the wild dogs. And so he says, yes, you know, he says, but it's very easy, Pastor Joey. Look, you're walking around. When they come and attack, you give in their hand, but they're just, they're, they're just babies. You give in their hand. When they go to bite, you whack them in the head and they go, ah, ah, you know, and they go away. They, they hunt in packs, but you hit one of them and they all get scared. Cause you show them that you're dominant, that you're powerful, like you, Joey, because you see, uh, and, and Joey in English means uh, kangaroo, but over there it means bull. And so it's like like you, Joey. I was like, all right, I like that. That's right, Pastor Joey in the house. And, and so you know, so so he shared that with me, and I'm thinking, oh my! In, in New Jersey, if it snows more than an inch, people don't come to church because of the snow or, or the rain or or whatever. Here, they're facing wild, you know, dogs, hyenas to come to church service. And I'm saying, whoa. I mean, talk about challenging. Then you have some of the other things they face along the way. This is an anthill. They average around five feet. Um, and, and so, yeah. Um, this was one of their church, this is one of their churches over in Kisi. Not the one that we built, but the one that was built before. But I want to point something to you. Do you see that floor right there? That is made out of mud. 
Saturday morning, the ladies of the church will come with water, pour water, and with their hands, make that smooth. I mean, it looks almost like, like ice, how, how nice and smooth that is. And then between Sabbath school, they do it again and so forth. They, they take pride in mopping with their hands their muddy floor that is made out of mud to make sure that the house of God looks amazing. And here we even struggle with people like leaving food on the floors and everywhere else and we let all the Florida cockroaches come in and all that kind of stuff. Like take pride in the house of God. You know what I mean? Hey, you know, if you're going to eat and drink, whatever, just that's great, but just clean it up. You know, and, and let alone get you to mop with your hands and water. You know, but again, that was something else that I got a chance to witness there. Here's us having service with them in the middle of the week. I got a chance to speak with them there. And then here is our fellowship meal. All we had was just green bananas. Just boiling them up, not even any salt. And just, that was it. That was fellowship meal. So today when you go over there, don't complain. Be excited for what it is. Even if it's veggie meat. Enjoy it and be happy because we are spoiled here and we don't even realize it. Ezekiel 44, 18 is probably my favorite Bible verse in scripture to share with people, especially when I'm being facetious. Look what it says. This is talking, Ezekiel 44 starts talking about what priests should wear and what they should not wear. And after it goes through the things of what they should wear, look what it says as to what they should not wear. They shall not clothe themselves with anything that causes what, church? Come on now. You know that's my favorite verse. You know that's my favorite verse. And you see, this is the reason why. First of all, it's only one verse in the scripture. Trust me, I look. If there was a second verse that talked about not clothing yourselves with sweat, I would know it and I would do a Bible study about it. But then again, there is only one verse in the scripture that talks about tattoos. And God forbid I come up here with an LNG white one in my arm. You know? So, so understand that I, I do use this text to joke around and, and I love teasing people about it, but it does pay, it, it is something to keep in mind. Look what I witnessed over there. What happens is that, understand that when our Puritans first came over to the U.S., they had a particular mindset, a particular attire, how we ought to dress, even though none of those clothings were available when Jesus and the disciples were around. But you must be decked out suit and tie. Pioneers went over there to Kenya. They inspired people. They shared the gospel message with people. And they said, you have to wear a suit and tie. Yes, I understand that it's 145 degrees during the summer. I understand that it is nasty, hot, and disgusting. But what we wear in New England is what you need to wear here because this is godly clothing. And that is ridiculous. It is hot. And because they could only afford one outfit because the poverty is such, then they go take care of their cattle with a suit and tie. Young lady in the back with a basket, I don't know if you see her, with a full dress. Because this is proper, godly wear. Therefore, since I could only afford one and I want to please God, I guess I'll do everything with it. And I struggle with that when we somehow confuse the traditions of men with the doctrines of God. I have to tell you, you must wear the best for the Lord. And, and I believe that, that just as Paul said, when in Rome, you dress as the Romans. You know, when I went overseas, we went with a class with Andrews, a previous trip prior to this, we went to Egypt. The ladies, they cover up because all you ladies where I could see your necks and your arms, that is way too sexy over there. Over there, we, we, if we see your eyes or your mouth, it's too much. 
You know, you have to completely cover up. So to be, you know, complacent with the culture there and, and not offend, we do that. When in Rome, you do as the Romans. When in Kenya, you don't do as the polar bears. You do as the Kenyans. And so that was something else that I observed that really, really concerned me. But we'll go ahead and leave that there. Young lady right there, 15 years old. She is, um, she's 15 and look how tiny she is. That's the reason why I share that on there. This is the other church in Bondo, the one that was trying to get into that town, but into that tribe, but couldn't. Um, this is church service on one of the Sabbath mornings when we got there. Look how packed the church is. It's a metal building, sink all around, in 145 degree weather. Everybody all decked out with their church outfits and, and, and Sabbath best, suit and ties. Um, their pews are eight inches wide. And they're so compacted and tight that when I sit, my knees are touching that person's rear and their knees is touching my rear. God forbid they're singing because they're a bit lively. And so you kind of feel this, you know, all on you. And you're saying, what is happening here? But they are tight. I mean, I get you guys cushion. I preach more than 30 minutes and you're already giving me the look. I mean, and you are cushiony and comfortably and a good 18 inches at least for all of that. But that's all you get. And they're there worshiping. Some of them go as far as standing outside and looking in because they couldn't fit inside. But they wanted to hear the word of God that day. Sabbath school's outside under a tree as much shade as they can. And so this was church over there. So, you know, if you can't say amen, say ouch. <laughs> I struggled to get some of you here and I got comfortable stuff, air conditioning, lighting, you know, all of that. I mean, I could try to feed you, but then that will only work for a little bit. And then, yeah. Um, here's where we did the evangelistic series in Masala. I just wanted to show you, you know, the, the building, the, the tents there and the stage and everything else. Um, this is how it is for water. We actually dug, dug up a well. Um, keep them in prayer because during the dry season, they go for months where all of that water completely dries out. And so that's what we had to dig deeper and deeper. This is, like I said, random, but this is their conference office, their union, sorry, their union office, the headquarters uh, over there. You see how humble it is. This is their publishing company right there at the union office. This is where they have meetings and stuff. That's where we met with them to get them get permission to start the orphanage and a church. This is their restrooms. And notice the lack of... You know, this is, by the way, the nicest restroom I found at the headquarters, not anything that I found at the other places that we were at through the entire state. But notice there's no, no toilet paper or water or, or soap or water and soap. But, but this is their accommodations. Like I said, we are completely spoiled here in this community. But overall, if you take anything from what I share with you today, it is this. Right now, we are in a world, we talked about two weeks ago when I preached about hope. We are in a world where we can't trust politicians. We are in a world where we can't trust inspectors. We are in a world where we can't trust even our neighbors or coworkers. We are in a world of doubt. We are in a world where even pastors look horrible. Pastors from pedophilia to flying around in private jets. And then we see here about tithing and offering. And so a lot of people are there skeptical about church. They're, they're thinking that ministers and Christians are full of judgmental, hating people who want nothing but money and who treat you horribly. I mean, this is what we are competing with. And I think what's more difficult, if there's anything worse than to try to minister to a group of people who don't know Christ, it's a group of people who think they know Christ and got a horrible impression of Christ because of Christians. But they cannot argue 
against the core basics that we find in the Bible, where pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. How nice would it be to belong to a church that lived like the church describing the scriptures, a church that met the needs of the communities, a church that went out there and ministered to them way before we say, come and follow, come to where we are. It is my prayer that not only you as individuals look for opportunities in your home, in your neighborhood, where you work, to meet the needs of the community, but also as a church. We have a community services department that is going to be working soon. We're going to have uh, uh, other ministries collaborating together. And the hope is that Tallahassee First can be a beacon of hope, a beacon of help and needs for this community where we can minister to them. No one will argue your theology when they see you leaving, living the theology that is presented in the scriptures. Let us go ahead and have a word of prayer. Most gracious and heavenly Father, we love you for being such an amazing God. Father God, when we consider the fatherless over and over is mentioned to the scriptures. It is mentioned that we need to look after them. It is mentioned that we need to take care of them. It is mentioned that we should free the ones that are oppressed. And so, Father God, it is my prayer for every member in this church, every guest, every visitor, every adult, every child, that whatever opportunity possible we may have, that we are able to minister to others. We are meant to be extensions of you. We are the body. You are the head, Christ Jesus. And as the head, lead us, work in us and through us for the benefit of all. This is my prayer in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let everyone here say, Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you.